Well, welcome back to the Word at Work series. We are continuing in our series looking at the letters to the different churches in the book of Revelation. We are with the church in Philadelphia, not an American city, but an ancient city. Uh, we're going to have a look at it. Um, so while we start together, um, the reality is when, when as Christians we stand up for biblical truth in our culture, uh, we can accept, expect to be persecuted. And the question is, how do we stand firm in our faith when we are persecuted for that faith? How do we not give in to the world and all its demands? How do we keep holding on to God's truth and His Word when the world is so quickly uh, ready to wield its power against Christians who hold out these biblical truths? It was the same back in the Roman Empire uh, when the church was being persecuted from all sides. The church in Philadelphia was harassed by this Jewish community for proclaiming Jesus as Messiah. Uh, they were a small, seemingly powerless community facing huge opposition in their, in, their, in their surroundings. But they were a community who never gave up trusting and keeping God's word despite the persecution. Uh, the battle they faced was how do they continue to be disciples who maintain a radical, heartfelt faith in Jesus under the threat of persecution? Uh, we don't want to land up um, being like the dead church in Sardis. Uh, from the last episode, a church that looks very effective and godly, but really are dead, like a, a decorated coffin, uh, compromising on the truth to fit in with the world. That's not what we want to do. But we want to keep on like the Philadelphians to hold on to the truth um, despite and in light of the persecution and tribulation that comes our way. So how will we endure in, li in light of the increasing pressures of our world uh, to give up the truths of the Bible? Uh, to move and shift from it. Well, I think this letter to the church gives this church and us, the church today, four encouraging truths to help us to keep on holding on to Jesus and his word in the face of a brutal world against us. Well, the first encouragement is that Jesus holds the key to the kingdom. Have a look at verse 7 and 8. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia writes, The words of the Holy One, the True One, who has the keys of David, the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will open. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you, I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Jesus is described in verse 7 as the holy and true one, the true Messiah. Remember this Jewish community is, is persecuting this church who has the key of David. Uh, this key analogy is taken from Isaiah at chapter 22. In Isaiah's time, the Lord demanded that um, Eliakim, Eliakim uh, be given the key to the house of David. And in other words, he had access to the king and his palace. He had the key. Uh, this foreshadowed uh, another time to come when uh, one of David's descendants, Jesus, uh, would now be the one who holds the key to the kingdom. Jesus is this true Davidic king. Uh, he's, um, he's the one with this Davidic key who controls the ent entrance now to, to God's eternal kingdom. The key symbolizes access and honor. You know, when someone's given the key to the city, it's this type of um, uh, illustration. Jesus is God's special king who has, um, who has honor because he's the king who both dies and rises again and now is be given all authority to rule and, and has the key to the kingdom. 
He has the freedom as this king to, to grant access to this kingdom to anyone who would believe in him. Jesus has authority over the kingdom and once it is opened to you, it cannot be shut. Once Jesus opens the door, it will remain that way forever. Uh, Jesus uses, uses this authority for his church. Have a look at verse 8 again. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. Jesus looks at the church in Philadelphia in verse 8 and says to them that I have set before you an open door that cannot be shut. As the church members in Philadelphia are thrown into the streets and shut, shut out of synagogues in their homes, Jesus reminds them that through him they have access to this eternal kingdom that no one can shut them out of. Jesus has opened the door of the kingdom to them through Jesus and they have freedom to approach God um, with freedom and confidence. Um, in spite of opposition, they have freedom to approach God. No one can shut them out of that relationship. I hope this is an encouragement to you. As so often the world keeps closing doors uh, in on us um, for holding on to Jesus and the Bible, kicking us out of social circles, trying to shut out our voices, getting fired for jobs because of your conviction and Christian ethics, losing friends and family, being kicked out of those social circles because of Jesus. And we need to stand our ground and know that through Jesus we are in his kingdom and no one can shut us out of that. This door has been opened for us and the world cannot shut it. Not even death can shut this door on us from entering God's presence. Jesus holds the key to the kingdom. The second encouragement to this persecuted church is Jesus is our victory. There is victory in Jesus. Have a look at verse 9. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie, beho but lie. behold, I'll make them come and bow down before your feet, and you will learn that I have loved you. Jesus holds out the promise to this persecuted church of victory when all the church sees before them is opposition. There is vindication for God's people in the end of time. All those who are in Christ will stand victoriously on that final day with him. Victory in this life is fleeting, but victory for those in Christ is eternal. Every social media post, every persecution, every rejection, even every death because of holding on to Jesus will be vindicated in the end. The world will be held responsible for judging Christians. And in the end, the world will know because of Jesus that Christians are loved by God even though they are rejected by the world. So be encouraged that in the face of adversary, uh, we have victory in Christ in the end. Thirdly, he says that we should be encouraged to hold on to God's word because Jesus helps us to endure through persecution and suffering. Have a look at verse 10 and 11. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to, the, to, to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. Jesus promises them that ultimately they will be kept from the, the final coming judgment on the world. Now this is not a promise of no suffering and, and trials in this world because remember this is a faithful church and suffering persecution. 
And they have also been holding on to the word that speaks about endurance in the face of persecution, verse 10. So this isn't a promise of no persecution. That's a promise of that God will keep us enduring through the persecution, helping us to endure in this world. That Jesus will keep us through the tribulations so that we remain faithful to him in the end. He gives us what we need to be holding on to him. So be encouraged that he will keep us enduring by his word and his spirit till the end to receive the crown of life that he has won for us on the cross. And the last thing we need to hear from this letter and this encouragement is that Jesus will keep us secure. Have a look at verse 12 with me. The one who conquers, I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I'll write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which, come down, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. Think about the most immovable thing in this world. Can you see it? What is it? We'll just know that that thing will not stand the test of time. Those things will be torn down and replaced. But God's pillar in his new temple can withstand anything. The imagery of a pillar is, is pointing to us to God's temple, his, his kingdom. They cannot be shaken by anything or anyone. And Christians are now placed in this temple of, of God as a pillar. There is no end to enjoying God in his, in his new temple, in his new place um, forever, for eternity. Jesus not only encourages the church by telling them that they are in the new temple as a pillar, unshakable, unmovable, but he says that he secures for them uh, their identity. Uh, verse 12 again. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. God writes on us, all over us, his new name. We are his possession. That's what he's trying to say. So your job might not be secure. Your social status might not be secure in this world as you hold out uh, the truths of the gospel. Your relationships with friends and family might not be secure. But know this, you stand securely as a pillar in God's new temple. We have a relationship with God, permanence in his presence. And what an encouragement as we, as we face persecution in differing degrees and rejection in this world. What an encouragement is that when the world tries to pull us down and shake us about, we have certainty and security in Christ. Verse 13. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What an encouragement. I hope you're encouraged. Well, join us next time for the last letter uh, to, the, to the church in Laodicea. That's the last in the series. So I'll see you then. Have a good day. Bye now. Thank you.